Alright, so hi everyone, and welcome to episode one of Murder Moms. Since this is our first episode, we figured we'd tell you a little bit about ourselves. I'm Maggie, and I'm a mom of one, and I work as a librarian, and I am a Hufflepuff. Uh, my name is Janessa, and I have three babies, and I am a restaurant manager slash bartender. And I'm Ravenclaw. I'm Ravenclaw. (laughs) We met at high school through my now husband, and we immediately clicked with each other upon meeting. We're doing this podcast now because we're both really interested in true crime, and there's a lot of cases that deserve attention, and like it or not, murder is fascinating, and crime is fascinating, and the brains of these people are really different, and trying to unravel how the brains work is uh, really interesting to us. So the way this works is every other week we'll be dropping an episode and we'll alternate weeks telling the story to one another. So I'm going to go first. And the hope is that the person hearing the story won't know it or know a lot about it. So that way they are able to react kind of with you if you haven't heard the story too. So We're going to try and not look into the other person's uh, investigation at all, or hopefully we'll just pick things that the other person isn't well-versed in, and that way we can all kind of learn about different cases together. We'll see how long that lasts. I think there's plenty. (laughs) I think it'll last us a while, so. All right, so um, the case I am telling you about today is the bad guy is named Israel Keys. Or as I once referred to him as to a coworker, the murder bucket guy. My coworker purchases books for our library, and when she wants to find out if a true crime book is worth purchasing, she yells various things at me to see if I know what they are. And I love when, this method. <laughs> so if I don't know who the person it is um, is, then she's like, oh. Well, this obviously isn't a good enough person for us to, to buy a book about. And one day she hollers over our cubicle wall, do you know who Israel Keys is? And I go, is that the murder bucket guy? And she's like, <laughs> all right, I guess we're, we're getting this book for the library. Murder bucket. So, Israel Keys. He was born in Utah in 1978 to a Mormon family and was the second of ten kids. I um, can't imagine. I have three I'm so tired. My mom was the oldest of six. I can't imagine ten, but go on. Yeah, well, when he was a young kid, the family converted to a more fundamentalist, white supremacist, militia sort of Christianity, and moved to Washington. Uh, They felt that other races were subhuman. A man who knew him as a teenager... Wait, other, what do you mean other races? Uh, like, not what white. What is his... Okay, so he is he is white. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's a white dude. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah, so Israel Keys is a, is a white guy. A man who knew him as a teenager who is literally named John Smith once said that Keys could, quote, dehumanize anybody if they rejected his worldview, unquote. Okay. Uh, the family lived off the grid in a one-room cabin without power or running water. Twelve and- people? Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. And they didn't believe in modern medicine, and the kids were homeschooled. Guys. <laughs> and Science is real. Utah and Washington, yeah. Uh, as a side note, fun fact, the family also became friends with the family of Chevy Kehoe, 
who is a white supremacist, and was later convicted of the murder of a husband, wife, and eight-year-old girl. So, real winners there. As a kid growing up, he, um, being Israel Keys, would break into neighbors' houses and torture animals. As a teenager, he renounced Christianity and became interested in Satanism. I'm sure this is, like, the totally the real Satanism, and, you know. Not. Yeah. Pseudo-Satanists who are just, like, have no idea what Satanism is actually about, and that it's not about murder. Yeah. I, I, I doubt he was into the true Satanism. <sighs> Anyways. Y'all looking into the church Satanism? It's actually kind of interesting. I, I learned as an adult that was not really what he was interested in here. But becoming interested in this caused his dad to cut ties with him, but he still stayed pretty close with his mom. He was described as socially awkward, and he himself felt that there was something wrong with him from the age of 14. It was something along the lines of, like, yeah, I I totally knew that, like, I thought things were okay, and other people were like, no, that's not okay. So he knew that there was... He was aware of the difference. Yeah. He was in the army from 1998 through 2001, and was stationed at Fort Lewis, Fort Hood, and in Egypt. And Fort Hood? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Served on a mortar team and even got some medal, uh, service medals and awards and an honorable discharge. His army bud said that he was quiet and kept to himself and liked to down whole bottles of wild turkey on the weekends, as you do. I'm just saying, there's, there's better liquors. So yeah, but he would, he would down whole bottles of wild turkey on the weekend. Um, in 2007, he started a construction business in Alaska. So Samantha, uh, Samantha was an 18 year old barista in Anchorage, Alaska. Okay. Uh, she worked at one of those drive-thru, uh, coffee kiosk things. Okay. Um, Keys kidnapped her from her work on February 1st, 2012. And this was all caught on security tape. He came up at closing time and he orders something and he pulls a gun on her. On the security tape, you can see her raise her arms like she's being robbed. She turns up the lights. He then jumps in through the window. And then they walk out together. Apparently, at one point later, she actually is able to break free. And he has to tackle her and catch her again. Um, so, girl fought to get free. He ends up taking her debit card, her PIN number, and her cell phone, and he sexually assaults her. He told her he was going to let her go after getting a ransom, but he strangles her to death the next day. This all happens in a shed next to his house, and his family has no idea. Do you want to see how close this shed is to this house? Because I have pictures. I do. Okay. So, and we'll also include these pictures so that you can see them. Yeah, I've got all this saved. The FBI has this really cool site that will be in our newsletter that you should subscribe to. And we'll have links in the show notes. This is our bad guy. Okay. So, natural killer. Yeah. Great. That's how he looked with the hair. Okay. Before he was captured. Okay. (laughs) So, it's super close. It's very small. It's practically touching the house. There's no way that his... They didn't hear. I, she she had to have been muffled or gagged or something. I don't know. It, it looks like also that this... Like, that you come in over here, so there's some space. Maybe that's like... But still, that's I, not a far. Lot of, I don't know. I can hear my dog bark. 
in the backyard on the far end of the, the uh, yard. And it's also, but there's also all snow, so maybe snow muffles. I don't uh, know. Any, that's I don't know how point. snow works. <laughs> we don't have snow here. I don't know how it that's works. That's true. That's true. Very close. Yeah, all of this strangling, assaulting goes on in the shed next to his house, and his family has no idea. Um, he uses her phone to send a text to her boyfriend that goes along the lines of, I'm really tired and going on vacation, which is totally not suspicious, especially when he was the one who was supposed to be picking her up from work. And, you know, that's the oldest bad guy trick in the book. It never works. Um, and her family also does not fall for it. So, uh, this is where it gets really weird. And the main thing to keep in mind is that this is Alaska in February. Okay. Okay, keep that in mind. So, pretty much any other place and this wouldn't have worked. So, he kills her and he leaves her body in the shed. And then he goes to New Orleans to leave with his family on a pre-booked two-week cruise. And when he comes back three weeks later, he takes her body out and puts makeup on it. He sews her eyes open with a fishing line. He takes a picture of her with a recent newspaper to make, make it look like she's still alive. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So, when you said sews her eyes open, I could not imagine what direction this was possibly going. Like, I didn't know if it was, like, some weird doll thing or what it was. But yeah, he sewed her eyes. He sewed her eyes open. Okay. I just, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't think he was going to, I don't know. It was just like, so it was proof. Proof of life. Of life. But nobody had questioned him. Because he was unconnected to it at all. Like, there, he didn't know her. He didn't. Okay. So, okay, go on. Yeah. Um, Continue. Yeah, and he, he, he took the picture with the with the newspaper for proof of life. And because of the cold, because it's Alaska in February, her, mm-hmm. her body was preserved enough that he was able to pull this off. So it's been three weeks. He texts the boyfriend again to tell them where to go for the ransom note. And he demands three, uh, excuse me, $30,000 in ransom, and he provides the picture in this ransom note. Okay, this is a weird question. Yeah. Do you have the picture no. of her? Okay. Of her? No. It's never been released to the public. Okay. I just wanted to see, like, how believable it was. I, I know that sounds morbid. No, I... But you I, had to think it was believable to send it. I, I pondered it, but it very specifically said that it's never been released to the public, and because it said that, I wasn't about to go try to find it. Yeah. I don't need to accidentally stumble into the dark web and have someone try to kidnap me. Yeah. Yeah, he, he demanded the ransom, he provided the picture. He then dismembered her body and put it in a lake north of Anchorage over the course of three ice fishing trips. He would drop the parts in, catch some fish, take the fish home, and then eat the fish. And that's like it's 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 not ca- cannibalism. But that's all it can make me think of. Yeah, it's it's not technically weird, but it's weird. It's weird. Because, like, he's not eating the parts. He's not using the parts as bait. I mean, kind of it was, well, though. I mean, he's just dropping them off. 
Yeah, but I feel like probably I don't know how ice fishing works. I don't know how you use bait or whatever for it, but I don't know. That's weird to me. That's super weird. It's he's, weird. he's more multitasking than anything. It's like you don't shit where you eat. Yeah, <laughs> but it's still yeah. It it definitely still feels real icky. Oh uh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's not great. So Samantha's dad put five thousand dollars into her bank account because that's what's said in the ransom note is. Um, not to drop it off in a bag in a trash can or whatever, but to put it into her account because he has her PIN number and her debit card. Um, so her dad does that, and a few hours later, a guy in an ATM, uh, a guy at an ATM, wearing a hat, mask, and gloves, makes a withdrawal, and uh, Anchorage PD just missed him. Let me pull this picture up. What was it's, her max withdrawal? Could she even withdraw all that? Oh my know. gosh. That's what he looked like withdrawing from. That's what E.T. looked like on the front of that bicycle. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. A little bug so he, But he wasn't able to withdraw all of that in one... I don't think so. It didn't say how much. ATMs don't have $30,000 in the no, time. No, her dad only put 5000 he, when he went and made a withdrawal, he didn't withdraw all 5000 Okay. So he, he just took some out. And like I said, the PD went to try to get him, and they, like, just missed him by minutes. A week later, another withdrawal was made. This one was made 4,000 miles away in Arizona. Then another one's made in New Mexico. And another one is made in Texas, east along the I-10 corridor. <laughs> How far apart? Not very far apart. He was chugging along I-10. Just... Yeah. Visiting. It's going. It's going. We, we're we literally sitting, like, five miles away from I-10. Oh, yeah, because we're at your house. Yeah. yeah. Not even. In one of the surveillance videos of the ATMs, they can see a white Ford Focus, and um, PD puts out an, an APB, basically. An officer in Texas, but for, like... I all the south. Yeah. West. Yes. All the southwest gets it. Officer in Texas spots a car matching the description in a motel parking lot on March 13th, 2012. He stakes it out in the parking lot, and when it leaves, he follows it. Um, he waits until it goes over the speed limit, and then he has probable cause to pull it over and search the car. When he does, they find Samantha's ID her phone, her debit card, a gun, and the E.T. disguise. The, the, the E.T. disguise. Okay, the, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Keyes was arrested. He'd been in Texas visiting his mom and some of his siblings, and his, um, at this visit, his sister tried to bring him back from atheism, to which he, re- he told her, quote, You don't know the depths of darkness that I've gone to. You don't know what I've done. So he stopped being a Satanist and went to atheism? Apparently, at some point in time. Okay. So that's why he was in Texas, 4,000 plus miles away from home. He was visiting his mommy. Uh, Two weeks after his arrest, he's extradited to Alaska. And eventually he confesses to uh, the murder. And he's indicted. And his trial is scheduled for March 2013. 
They managed to recover Samantha's body in April 2012. It takes 10 hours. While he's in custody for seven months, he voluntarily gave uh, 24 interviews, he teased investigators, and he claimed to have killed, quote, less than a dozen people, unquote, though Samantha Koenig and Bill and Lorraine Courier were the only ones who were positively identified. He had a pattern for giving out information. First, he needed an Americano from Starbucks, then a Snickers, and then a particular cigar. Oh my god. And then he would chat. He's one of those guys. Oh my god. Also, Americanos are the worst. Like, I don't drink coffee, so I don't... It's, it's an espresso and water. Just get, a, just get a coffee. All right, so Keyes told authorities that he wanted a quick execution date. Like, he was, I want this. And they were like, oh yeah, you're going to get it. You'll, you'll totally get the death penalty. And he was like, cool, but I want it guaranteed. He wanted to be executed soon? Because I can see being like, hey, if I'm going to jail, I want to be on death row because death row is better than... He wanted a quick execution date so his mom and daughter wouldn't suffer. No. (laughs) That is not how this... The audacity. He also wanted to, quote, and this made me, like, ugh. He also wanted to, quote, go out while I still have some sanity and good memories. Unquote. It's always really skeezy when a murderer says good memories. Yeah. Um, that makes me really uncomfortable. I can't. Go on. In jail. On December 1st, 2012. He killed himself. You know what? I don't know. I, I feel like that is very unfair to the families of the, the victims. Because yeah. they don't get to see you have to be accountable. Yeah. You even if you did get the death penalty, which I don't necessarily agree with, but even if you did get it, like you at least had to be dragged through the mud first. Yeah. And I was reading something with one of Samantha's friends or family members and they were like, No, it's great that he's not in the world anymore, but it sucks that we cannot see him held accountable. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, like, like, don't get us wrong. Like, we're glad he doesn't exist anymore. However, we wanted to see our day in court. Yeah. But, so, not only that, he, he killed himself by, um, someone gave him a disposable razor, even though everyone had been told not to, and then he also tried to strangle himself with his sheets while he was lying on his bed. Uh, he was found the next morning, and there was a rambling suicide note under his body, but it didn't have any clues about the other victims. I have a photo of his suicide note. You can't really read anything on it. it looks, oh my god! It looks like crazy pants. Was there not a back side of the page? Why is he right up the side? I mean, that was probably a back side of the page. Yeah, it's it's just full of rants. Something about like crushing people by dying like bugs or something. It's not helpful. However, in 2020, this year, the FBI released drawings of a. 11 skulls and one pentagram that he had drawn in blood and had been found before his suicide under his jail bed. Under one of the skulls, it says, we are one. This leads them to believe there are 11 victims. Here you go. It says, we are one underneath this one. Mm-hmm. And that's his, that's his blood. With the goat head, of course. 
So this leads them to believe there's a, 11 victims. So did he go back to being a Satanist when he was in jail? I, I don't know. His ideologies and religious His reported. Wild to me. Yeah. I mean, and he, again, what, what it said before about he had visited his sister, I mean, that that might have been his sister saying the quote, and so she she twisted it to atheism instead of Satanism because she's this, like... Yeah. She'd rather him believe in nothing, nothing than, the, than Satanism. Yeah. Okay, so here's what we know about his other victims in as best chronological order as I could get, and then I also sorted them by state. Oregon. Sometime between 1996 and 1998, Keyes abducted and raped a teenage girl in Oregon. He originally planned on murdering her, but she talked him out of it. He said, quote, it was weird. She was scared, but also talking about random stuff. I don't know. I was convinced that I had screwed up because I let her go, unquote. He said that he wasn't violent enough and wouldn't make the mistake again. The mistake of not killing somebody? Yes. That's a really hard mistake to make. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Washington. He confessed to killing four people in Washington State. And these are still active investigations by the state police and the FBI. They're reviewing unsolved murders and missing persons cases to see if any are linked to him. Keyes said he he killed one couple between 2001 and 2005, and then two separate people between 2005 and 2006. He also said that he sank a body in Lake Crescent, one of Washington's deepest lakes, but wouldn't give any further details. In Washington, he's also suspected of killing Julie Harris in 1996, a 12-year-old double amputee with prosthetic feet. Uh, Her feet were found a month after her disappearance, and her skeletal remains a year later. Keyes was 18 and living in the area at the time. He claims to have had nothing to do with it, and that the birth of his daughter convinced him to not ever mess with kids issue with this logic is that his daughter was born after this happened. Uh, Julie's murder is still unsolved. New York State. He also uh, confessed to one murder in New York State. The FBI speculates that this is Deborah Feldman who went missing in 2009 even though she's never been found and they've not been able to definitively prove it. They found her name on his personal computer and when confronted with this and her photo he appeared very shaken. He owned 10 acres of property and a rundown cabin in Constable, New York, which is way north, right along the boundary with Canada, and he robbed a bank in early 2009. In Texas, Keyes confessed to robbing a bank, burglarizing a home, and then setting that home on fire. In New Jersey, he claims to have killed a woman in April 2009 in New Jersey and buried her near Tupper Lake, New York, which is about an hour south of his property and where he robbed the bank in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, This may be referring to Deborah Feldman. It's kind of hard to tell with him. Okay. Because there's so many that are, like, unknown. Uh, Vermont. So, this is the other big one. He has confessed to murdering Bill and Lorraine Courier, who at this point have been missing for a long time. He broke into their house on June 8th, 2011, and tied them up. Then he drove them to an abandoned farmhouse he had found earlier. He put Lorraine upstairs in a bedroom and restrained Bill downstairs, but Bill was still struggling and trying to get free. Um, He was actually starting to get free. 
So Keys went back downstairs to subdue Bill and retie him. And for some reason, he got really angry and instead just shot him a bunch of times. Just, he said something like, the gun just kept going off. Okay. He then went back upstairs, sexually assaulted, and strangled Lorraine. And after that, he left their bodies in the basement of the farmhouse. Unfortunately, soon after this, the farmhouse was demolished and sent to the landfill. The FBI searched for about 11 weeks through the landfill, but could not find them, and their bodies have never been recovered. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Like, they know it's... So he got lucky with that one. Yeah. Basically. And they know that, like, they can they can either be over here or over here. The problem is it's just too much space. They, they kind of know where they are, and it, it's awful to be like, they're in the landfill somewhere. I can't even imagine. The reason he picked the couriers was that they didn't have any children, they didn't have a dog, but they did have an easy way to get in through an attached garage. There was a lead in the case because... Um, there were some witnesses that saw a man driving around in their car and they got a sketch artist to draw him. And there was also a fingerprint left behind on an ammunition case. And, um, well, it was, it was kind of not funny, but funny when, um, they were interviewing him. They were like, oh yeah, you left a fingerprint. And he was like, haha, no, I didn't. And they were like, oh yeah, you did. And he was like, oh that was too bad for me or something like that. It was just like, Oh, I'm really impressed with you guys that you found that. It was a really so weird thing. I've been, I've, I've been sitting here listening to all the, all these people that he is thought to have murdered, but haven't been proven. Yeah, sure. That, that was the last list of so, victims. Okay, good. So this is a good time. Then. Yeah. So I've been sitting here listening to it and usually serial killers are a type and they have a type. But he seems to fluctuate between young girls and women and couples, and sometimes he's, yeah. you know, tearing he them apart, no and sometimes type. he's shooting them up, and then sometimes he seemed shy about murdering, and then other times he seems cocky about it. So it's really hard. His yeah. personality is he had, all over. He very, like, specifically had no type. His type was... Whoever he could grab. It was convenient. Yes. Like, he... he, And we I talk about it a little bit later, but he specifically was just like, okay, I'm going to lurk around this park who's by themselves. Like, whenever he was just in the yeah. mood, like, he didn't care what he caught. Huh. He just wanted to hunt. Yeah. That's wild to me. Yeah, he had no type. All right, so here... Here's the name... Here's where I got the name Murder Bucket Guy for him. Two years before he killed the couriers... He, he hid a murder kit near their home. He just buried it in the ground, and he left it there until he wanted to use it. After he killed these folks, he moved the kit to a new hiding place in New York. The reason I call them murder buckets is because they're literally those big, like, 5 to 10 gallon paint buckets you get from Home Depot. Or, yeah. And um, he, uses them or he used them because they're watertight. But this wasn't his only murder bucket. He had these stashed in at least four states, and the FBI believes that there are more that haven't been found, and that they may even contain evidence for unsolved murders. And in the buckets were guns, ammunition, money, zip ties, and other just, like, kill kit stuff. And since they were all over the place, whenever he felt like killing somebody, he could just pop over and dig one up. Wow. Yeah. Go to this he one has thing. his own geocache game. 
Yes. So, for example... <laughs> but for murder. For, yeah, that's exactly what he has. So, um, here we have... This is his murder bucket. See, that one's not well hidden, though. Well, this is one that and he told them where to find or what. Like, yeah, this is just under a rock. Well, yeah. So, this is all the stuff in it. You can see the guns, a scope, zip ties. Some of them had, like, body disintegrating chemicals in it. Like... Oh, gosh. Yeah. This is how it looked to start with. Okay. This special, like, triangle-looking cave, and it's buried under a bunch, bunch of rocks. You, you, if you so if you knew where it was, you would be able to find it, because there's some obvious... Right. But if you didn't know it was there... Yeah, see, they moved that rock, and now you can see it. But in the first it. picture, you can't see it. And then here's another one, um, including mater- that includes materials... This is just a bunch of trash bags in the woods. Yeah. I don't think they were all murder buckets, but, like, that one's trash bags. It probably doesn't have things like guns in it that need to be yeah, watertight. that one's just chemicals. Right. Wow. Murder buckets. That is a murder, murder bucket guy. Bucket. Okay, murder bucket guy. Yeah, and since I couldn't remember exactly, I remembered the buckets of murder that were buried. The buckets of murder. <laughs> so, yeah, the FBI says that between 2001 and 2012... He burglarized 20 to 30 houses across the United States and robbed several banks, which is how he financed all of his trips. He was also, because remember he had this construction business, he was also already scheming about how to use that business to troll storm damage places for victims, and he had plans to build a dungeon in his house. I mean, like, murder is bad. That's about H.H. Holmes level. Yeah. Yeah. And the storm damage thing kind of hurts right now because we just got through Sally. Yeah, we did. And, like, can you imagine if, like, one of the people who showed up and it's just like, yeah, I'm here to help. And instead he, he kidnaps and, and murders people. Yeah, that's... That's some nightmare fuel. That is... that Yeah. All right. But You're also, welcome. I want a dungeon. <laughs> okay. So, potential clues and other locations. Uh, Israel Keys buried a kill kit along the Green River in Wyoming, so the FBI thinks there might be a victim in that area. He spent time in California's wine country in the late 2000s. He talked a lot about using boats and kayaks to dispose of bodies, and he rented a kayak while in Heldsburg, California in 2007. Okay, hold on. A kayak? Yes. The body had to be like... I, I don't know, dude. He He's a boat dude. I don't know how kayaks work. I don't know how snow works. I'm trying to figure out. I don't know how fishing works. I don't know how football works. <laughs> well, we're we're gonna learn some things. <laughs> I'm sure we'll we'll have messages in our inbox. Uh huh. I don't want to know how football works. Please don't send me that. I have plenty of opportunities and people around me. It's just the fact that he he is a boat dude and he uses boats to get rid of bodies and he happened to be in this place and he got a boat and that in, in itself is suspicious. Yeah. Uh, in 2007, he also drove the Alkin highway by himself for a week. This highway goes through Canada to Alaska. He's traveled in Canada a lot and would specifically mention Montreal. Now the important thing to remember about Canada when it comes to keys and his victims is that he specifically said they did not count. Why? I don't know. But if he's claiming to have only 11 victims, but Canadians don't count, then how many victims does he have? 
And all the victims that they found are white. So if he killed people of color, would they also not count? Yeah. So does that mean how many victims does he have? What is he counting? Exactly. And we don't know because he killed himself. That's just rude. <laughs> it's bizarre. I just don't... Canadian isn't a race. Like, that's <laughs> that's where my hang-up is. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to... But, yeah, so... Yeah. But, I mean, it is it is uncommon for somebody to kill outside of their race as a serial killer. So, like, that part I yeah. understand. But that does bring into question, like, if he's only counting, like, Aryan-looking folks. Yeah. Which... <laughs> yeah, it's uncommon to count out of your race, but... This is Israel Keys. Yeah, he's, he doesn't have a profile. Yeah. All right. So Key, yeah, Keys planned his murders out way ahead of time. He took extreme action to not get caught. He doesn't have a victim profile. He had, and he had no connection to his victims. He almost always killed far from his home, and he never killed in the same place twice. Waited for people in parks and cemeteries and other secluded places, where they would probably be by themselves and easy pickings. When he would take a murder trip, he would pay with cash. He would keep his phone off. He would take the battery out to keep from being tracked. He obviously covered a lot of ground over the U.S. and other countries, and he used this to keep from being discovered. For the murder of the couriers, he flew to Chicago, then rented a car to drive a 1,000 miles to Vermont, and then he used the kill kit he had hidden two years earlier, which is why... So he put in... So much thought and effort into this because if he only killed in one place once, that means that he made this kill kit specifically for this area, mm-hmm. had to remember where it was, mm-hmm. and then take the time to go to that place far away from his home to do it and cover his track. He put so, so much, so much into it. Yeah, which is why Samantha's killing is so really weird. He, like, He's in his hometown. He jumps through a window on camera. He, it's, it's. So he had to just be over it at that point. Like he, he was uh, like, I'm never going to get caught. I'm the best. Watch this. Yeah. Either that or he was devolving. But, and that, and that's the thing. He told the FBI that he'd been feeling out of control and he wasn't feeling smart anymore. So to me, it sounds like he, he was. Depressed. Yeah. Like spiraling. Cause like up until then. That's weird to think about. Yeah. (laughs) I've never thought about a serial killer being depressed before because I guess I just don't, their brain is so abnormal in functionality that I'm like, you you can't not care about anything and then also care about things. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe he, he wanted to be caught and knew it wouldn't happen unless he messed up or maybe it was one of those like, um, I won't stop unless you stop me kind of things, or I I want you guys to know how smart I am and all the things I've done. Because no one knew that there was a serial killer until he, he got caught. Nobody had an idea about it. FBI Special Agent jo- Jolene Godin, who was the main agent on the case, said... Quote, you could be in a room with him and it was like you were in the room with your neighbor. And then there were other times where the back, uh, the hair on the back of your neck stands up. He had a DUI, but that was it. No crimes of violence in his history. No sex events in his history. He's a 34-year-old man from Alaska who has a construction business, a small, quiet life, unquote. 
I mean, that's normal. You know, you want to blend in and not stand out for things. Mm -hmm. A a guy at the U.S. Attorney's Office used him as a handyman. Assistant U.S. Attorney Frank Russo, who was the prosecutor, said, quote, this is someone you felt comfortable giving a key to your house so he could go in there when you weren't there to fix things, unquote. But yeah, someone at the U.S. Attorney's Office, the zero killer was his handyman. That's, what are the odds of that? It's so, like, can you imagine being that guy just being like, oh, no. I I can't. It's like, like, all right, honey, we got to move. No, Justin, my friend Justin came over the other day to fix my van for me because I have three children and I can't leave them unattended. And him I would trust. But I've known him for, like, 12 years or something. But oh yeah, somebody I've... I would not trust a random handyman in my house alone. That is unheard of to me. That's some 1970s shit. That's what that is. Well, I mean, small Alaskan town. Yeah, small Alaskan town. I don't know how big Anchorage is. I don't know anything about Alaska. I don't know anything about... I know Molly of Denali. What? It's a... PBS Kids show. Oh. <laughs> it takes place in Alaska. Man, I thought I had a stroke just now. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that's that's about it. That's about all I know of Alaska's Molly Denali. Yeah, the but just like you said, the, the neighbor said that he didn't stand out, and there's still pieces of, his, pieces of his carpentry around the town in Washington State that he used to live in. A resident said he was, quote, a great family guy, a smart guy, gifted carpenter, well-spoken, an upstanding member of the community, unquote. <laughs> oh, man. They're so good at imitating. Yeah, masking. You know, like, it's it's so scary to me because you don't know. When they're that good, you, you don't know. I was just thinking of the statistic the other day, like earlier this week, because it's been, we've had an influx of, of vagrants with the weather and everything, mm. hanging out on our breezeway and it's it can feel dicey walking to our doors so I've been concerned about our patrons and stuff and I was just pondering to myself about the whole like she's talking about the library by the way not her home yeah 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 not my house my house is great fine mostly <laughs> three houses down I was thinking about the statistic of you meet like what is it three Sierra killers a week on the street or something like that and I was just like oh God. all these people here I wonder if any of them are the FBI's most wanted list you know they might, they might not be, but should be. <laughs> but, you know, it's scary to think, you know, and especially because we live near the 10 freeway, too. So, like, yeah. there's a lot of trafficking on the 10. Yeah, there is. Because it goes across the whole country. So, you, you really don't know here. This place is hell. <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, yeah, so go on. Uh, Israel Keyes, on the other hand, he claimed to be two different people. He said, I would do some, this is a quote also, is, uh, I would do something and then go back to business as usual and go out with, with, uh, friends. For all the years they, they've known me, they actually don't know me at all, end quote. So, he was disassociating? I don't think it was that. The, the way he would play with and, and tease investigators and the way he acted it was more like psychopathy stuff than like disassociative i just want to know what his deal is i know 
Okay, and go you, on. you can't study him at all. No, and, you can't. And that's what's frustrating. It's like... He's so rude. It's like, you... You have no type. You're obviously very intelligent to, to be doing all this planning. Yeah. And you would think that he would have, like... He would want the fame and he would want people to know because... No, he he was very concerned about his, his See, mother and, what, and his daughter. Yeah, you would think that he would want it, though. Like, if he... No, he, he caused himself to get caught, though. He knew he would get caught. He had to. He had to have known. So you would think that knowing that you're going to get caught, you would want that attention, but he didn't. Not for them. Not for him, either, because it affected them. I don't know. Part of me thinks that, that he somehow thought that, like, he could... He could have the fame and, and somehow spare them. Let me retract that because he was... There, I remember reading now something about him being concerned about what she would Google and see about her father. Mm. I didn't want to talk about her this much because, like, she was, like, 10 or something when this happened. Yeah. But this case is actually still considered an open case because there are so many missing victims. So they do take tips. Um if you have any information on Israel Keys or any of his travels, contact the FBI. If you have any family members that may have been a victim, contact the FBI. And this does include the areas that we talked about, um, like Lake Crescent, where he said he dumped the body, and like around the Green River. If you find a murder bucket, do not touch it. Don't touch the murder bucket, even if it's a murder trash cap. Uh, trash bag. I know you're really gonna want to touch the murder bucket because I would really want to touch the oh, murder God, bucket. I would want to touch it so bad. But don't touch the murder bucket. No. Or trash bag. Or whatever it is. Immediately call your local law enforcement or the FBI. And the number for the FBI is 1-800-CALL-FBI. Easy peasy. Or you can visit fbi.gov backslash tips. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Anything you wanted to mention? No. That was an adventure for That me. was an adventure. Um... Everything was easy breezy, beautiful, you know, just regular murder. And then we sewed some eyes open (laughs) and that was, that was different. That was a, that was a different one for me. And that was an all uphill adventure. Yeah. And that was actually something that I did not know a lot about. So, um, I enjoyed that, but no, I'm angry that he did not give more information or, you know, not kill himself. I'm mad at him. The families have so many unanswered questions and that isn't justice at all. He he should have had to endure a punishment for what he had done. And yeah, I am very frustrated, but I'm going back to with him saying that he didn't feel like himself and he just didn't feel very strong or worthy or whatever it was, he may very well have been depressed. I know. Wow. That was... Yeah. I want to know what happened to the guy who gave him the razor. I want to know who gave him a razor. Somebody gave him a razor. Yeah. Oh, uh, the same person that killed Epstein. <laughs> no. He didn't kill himself. He didn't kill himself. The FBI also has a really cool, uh, I mentioned this briefly earlier, a really cool web um, website about Israel Keys. It'll be in the in the show notes in our newsletter that you should subscribe to. It's got a map of the U.S. with interactive buttons where you can see everywhere he's been. Um, it's got photos of everything. Um, and we're going to link all the sources I used for this episode 
in the show notes as well. We have a Facebook and we have Twitter and Instagram. Mm -hmm. And those are all going to be Murder Mom Podcast. And then any corrections, you can hit us up at murdermompodcast at gmail.com. And uh, like, rate, subscribe, be kind. Yeah. Everyone. If you liked this episode, please be sure to share it so that other people can hear it. And maybe they will be as bewildered as I am um, by somebody sewing somebody else's eyeballs open. I can't get over that. Um, but thank you so much for listening to our rambles. Yep. Our next episode will be in two weeks and Janessa is going to tell us about Ed. No, Kemper. I'm not. No, you're not. I'm not. I changed it. Ooh. I'm not going to tell you who it is. I'm oh. really excited about it. Oh, fake out. Oh, I know. I saw you had it in the calendar about Ed Kemp and I was like, <laughs> oh, you're hurting my macromanaging heart. I'm so sorry. Um, But, yep, two weeks, and we will be back with another episode, and that one will be me. So get ready, because I am not as organized as Maggie. (laughs) Painful. Thanks for listening. Thank you. That's Maggie. That's Janessa. That's Murder Moms. (laughs) That's what we're doing. Can't stop me.